Hello and welcome to the Six Cells podcast. This is Mike Nicholson from Six Cells. Today I'll be speaking to Gareth Turner, who's the founder of Big Black Door. Gareth, how are you? I'm brilliant, thanks. Brilliant for a Thursday today, is it? I think it's Thursday. Thursday, it's a bit miserable out there, but um, us Brits, honestly, we always have to revert to the weather, don't we? But it is pretty miserable out there. It's grey, cold, raining and windy. It's pretty much all of the bad things that you can have at the same time. Um, But anyway... um, no matter. Um, could you um, kick us off, perhaps, by giving us a bit of a, a potted history of your career to date, and um, um, a little bit of an inform- uh, information about Big Black Door and what you guys do, please? Yeah. So a bit about me. I'm, I'm uh, my CV would say I'm I'm an experienced marketing leader with mm. uh, with 25 years or so FMCG food and drink experience. I've worked at places like Diageo, Heineken. Uh, Isle of Foods and, and Weetabix. So the, the biggest roles I've done at, at, in those last couple of businesses would be things like the um, the UK marketing director for Butter at Isle. Uh, so I had brands like Lurpak Anchor, Private Label, uh, reporting in to me. I did uh, um, I was a global Isle brand lead uh, for a while there, and then uh, was head of marketing at Weetabix. So uh, I've done some. Yeah, I've been lucky. I've got some big names, big brands, big roles on my on my CV. I'm I'm proud to have have on my CV. So I jacked it all in uh, last year. What could yeah. go wrong, right? I it was going so well. I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah, <laughs> it's going so well. I jacked it all in uh, at the height of a recession, an economic crisis, to go and set up my own business uh, called Big Black Door, which is a marketing consultancy. Um, which... Why Big Black Door? What what does the name uh, signify? Um. It's not number honest, 10 Downing Street, I'm assuming. It, no. Uh, the <laughs> honest answer is that my front door is big and black. Um, oh, brilliant. So, but I, I, uh, I also, we, we ate, ate at a, re- a lovely restaurant once called the, the Black Door Brasserie in Newcastle, and it, just the name stuck with me. So, uh, right. But then I've, I've obviously retrofitted some sort of story about making choices and uh, stuff to it. So you, you can find that on my website uh, if, you want, if you want the, the, if you want the, uh, the, uh, the marketing spiel, you know, the, yeah. the the romance copy, let's call it. If you want the romance, romance copy. Copy. oh, I like that. I'm it's seeing there. that um, romance copy. But yeah, so it's, it's a marketing consultancy where I bring all that training, all that experience to bear for for. Well, I'm working with some big brands. I'm, I'm proud to have some big brands on my roster already, but um, primarily with uh, startup, scale up, medium sized food and drink businesses who who perhaps they're looking to get into communications or want to know how to um, improve their rate of sale in store. And, and I've just got, I've just got miles on the clock that help me simplify things down from a huge array of opportunities. Cause the, the conversations I'm having with, with business owners is that the choices out there and the, the amount of choices bewildering at, at times. So if you, unless you know what you're doing, unless you've got some great training behind you, unless you've got some, experiences behind behind you it's it's a tough thing to to navigate and i can help you with that that's uh, that's it i'll simplify your marketing make it better got it okay um i went from a very big business to a very small business six sales um four years ago um and you've obviously gone through that was it how long is it now nine months uh no uh uh first i set the the when the schools went back so the first week in september is when i went all in on this oh very left recent in, okay left in july July 22, had, uh, had the sum- a summer of sport with my son. We went all over the place to see cricket and football and all sorts of things and uh, and then started all in when he went uh, he went back to school. Okay, so super recent. So what's that? So nearly four months. Um, 
when I, when I um, took the plunge, um, similar timing, I was a year before COVID started, um, I, I think, so but obviously couldn't see that coming. But um, I had a lot of people reach out to me um, that, that wanted to have a coffee. And unfortunately, it wasn't because they wanted to work with me. It was because they were really interested in how I'd found the first months of being out there on my own because um, it turns out um, that I, I, I worked with a lot of people that had similar aspirations but probably for quite sensible reasons decided to, to stay put uh, in, in, in a paid job. Have you, have you had a similar experience? How have you found that sort of transition from very big brand, very big company to um, big black door? Yeah, so you're absolutely right. There are there are sort of, I don't know, what, what you call them, like sleepers out there, people mm. who want to do this Um but haven't done it for a number of reasons. And and the truth is, I talk about this being a new business for me. The truth is I, I've been thinking about this for a long time. I actually set my limited company up on a whim uh, in 2013. Right. Um, but did nothing with it. Yeah, so it's something that, that's been niggling away, an itch I needed to scratch. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to die thinking, um, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna what if? Turn, I don't want to mm-hmm. die thinking, uh, oh, yeah, I wish I had, I wish I had. So, I've built up some savings. I've built up some credibility. I've done some good work, and I thought, well, now's the time. Now's the time in that crisis, to uh, economic crisis, to to do this. But you're right. There are there's a community of people out there who who want to do it but haven't done it for whatever reason. Like I hadn't done it for for nine years. Um, but there's a community of people out there who who have made that leap who are generous beyond belief with advice and help and support and you know the the freelance i'm going to call it the freelance community is something something to note it's uh there are some incredible communities out there some great people doing great stuff who support you along the way so it's been it's been brilliant i've got my work-life balance back on track i've been for a run this morning um i don't think i would have felt able to do that I, I i technically would have been able to do that in other roles right people of course everyone say of course go for a run gareth but even you, even with three weetabix surely you would have yeah. you'd have been able to go for a run with three weetabix <laughs> well it's, it, it wasn't the eating the weetabix of the problem it's just the volume of work i've got to do um yeah. and uh, and i'm not in control entirely of my own diary there's there's, there's other stuff so yeah. it's um it gets me back on track i'm working I'm, I'm sort of working four days a week. I plan to work four days a week. It doesn't really work out like that, but I've got some flex to do things that I want to do, side projects, things that interest me to to go for a thinking day somewhere or to, to go for a run or to, to go to a spa, do what I want to do. And it's gratifying to have the impact I'm having with smaller businesses. You can, it's it's more immediate. You know, a 1%, we take a Weetabix example, it's a made-up example here, but... Yeah, Weetabix have been doing great marketing for 90 years. So no matter how good I am, I'm not going to have a massive impact on it immediately. But if you, you come to a, a relatively small or medium-sized business who's been doing no marketing and who's been sort of scrambling along, you can have a an immediate significant impact with people, and that's just lovely to see. I've, I've got some great wins with uh, with small businesses who are seeing – seeing some fantastic results from putting a few fundamentals in place. So it's, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's great. Great. You, you talk about work-life balance. I think that's quite topical at the moment. Um, obviously, through COVID and lockdowns, everybody was working from home. Um, 
the, I think the net result of that is some businesses have realized that actually that can happen and the, the wheels keep turning and the work still gets done. Um, but as we're all opened up now and, and um, business as usual in inverted commas, there's a lot of businesses that are requesting people come back into the office. There are a lot of people that don't really want to do that. There's some people that really do want to do that. Um, but the, the being in charge of your own diary and doing the work when you want to do it, how you want to do it, where you want to do it, um, and when within reason, obviously certain client meetings will have to happen at certain times, but that's, that's a game changer for me. Um, I, in my last paid job before I started six sales, I'd quite often, I mean, and very often wake up at like two or three in the morning with work on my mind. I think, Oh, I didn't, I didn't yeah. do that. I've got to do that. And then I wouldn't be able to get back to sleep because my mind was racing. And then the alarm would go off at half five. I'm exhausted already and I haven't even started work. And then I spend 12 hours in the office and come back and I'd be shattered. Whereas now, if I wake up at two or three in the morning with work on my mind, I'll just get up and work and then go back mm. to sleep later on. I'll have a, have a cat nap or a siesta or whatever you want to call it. Um, being able to play tennis in the middle of the day, for example, you know, like it, it's not skiving because the work gets done when the work gets done. But yeah. um, I, I, I don't think it works anymore. It's, it's never really worked for me where you have, okay, this chunk of your day has to be work and you have to be present between this hour and this hour in this place. Um, and then everything else gets fitted around the edge. It just, I mean, think think of tennis in the winter. That uh, It gets darker at like four o'clock, you know, so like, it, it doesn't really make much sense. But my computer works until, you know, whatever time. So that's been one of the biggest, I think, game changers for me is being in, in control of your own destiny and being able to put a diary together that you want rather than you kind of have to execute against. Yeah, yeah. But the, 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 the to argue against myself slightly here, but the, the, the disciplines of the sort of um, meeting cadence that we had in place at Weetabix, certainly I brought that with me. So I, I totally accept there's, yeah, I've, I love this flexibility, but I've also then got a certain structure to my week, my month, my quarter mm. that I brought with me, which gives me, gives me some sort of business fundamentals, which. Yeah, but you're in charge of that, right? You have autonomy now. That's your structure that you've decided on and you're happy with rather than one that's been f f forced upon you. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Is there are, are there any other big differences that you've noticed going from a very big company to a very small company? Uh, well, without stating stating the obvious, right? It's um the the, the resource that's available to me. I, I perhaps had underestimated how much um how much other people helped me. Um, you know, I yeah. had a team of whatever at, uh, in businesses like Weetabix. There's a, an insights team there who can. I just want to find out about. Blah blah blah. Of course, Gareth, we got we got ninety years of, of information for you. Let's and if we haven't got it, I can get it tomorrow for you. And that yeah. uh, having that that resource at your fingertips is incredible. Um, having agencies on retainer or agencies maybe not on retainer, but but at your fingertips, who you phone up and say, "I oh, just can you do me a D TGI analysis on whatever?" And they go, "Yeah, of course we can. Would, would, would immediately be okay, Gareth. Of course it would. Thank you very much." <laughs> I don't have that anymore. I don't no. know that you might. In fact, you know, to, to a, a slight, it's a um, slight tangent, but you know, a story. I, I, I do events, like, I do things like this, and I speak at events. I'm happy to do that because it's it's a way of me publicising my business. Let's be honest. Right? Yeah. Um, now, I I had one booked in when I was at Weetabix, um, and I was due to speak after I left Weetabix. And I, I messaged them and said, "I just need to let you know my change of email address." I went, "Oh, have you left Weetabix?" I said, "Yeah." yeah we, we don't want you anymore and if you want to come it's going to cost you 200 quid 
to I remember you writing about this on LinkedIn. Yeah, it's uh, it's shocking, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah they, the, the, the fact is that the, the, the presentation, the talk was going to be exactly the same. And yeah, I would, I would never disrespect Weedbix. I loved working at Weedbix and that they are a brilliant company. But if anything, I can talk more freely than uh, yeah. the when I was when I was there. So it, was, it made me chuckle. It perhaps um, shone a light on the on the true reason for that event. It wasn't about people sharing information. It was about giving agencies the opportunity to uh, to pit, to to, to um, pitch the to client, pitch to clients. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's the one thing that um, I kind of really dislike about. Uh, moving from a very big company to a very small company there are people that you thought were your <laughs> industry friends should we say um that suddenly don't return your call there's not a lot of them to be honest and as yeah. you say the freelance community and that there are a lot of people that have you know give their time and expertise generously to help you and and you know for that i'll, I'll be thankful but there are some people that don't want to know you anymore because you're no use to them mm. and i find that um quite short-sighted actually because yeah. you know we we go up and down in our career in a, in a bit of a curve and um what's that saying i'd be nice to people on the way up because you never know who you might need on the way down but just completely blanking people because they can't help you anymore is is it's shocking to me because i just would never treat somebody like that it's just not a thing that i can understand i mean i don't know i guess if you're sort of mercenary and everything's about business and people don't really matter to you i can sort of understand mm -hmm. it i suppose because oh, you, you're not you're not on my radar anymore i don't need you in my crm or whatever but yeah um, it's uh, it's a bit of a shock when you're on the receiving end of it isn't it oh uh, yeah I mean, one of the things i've set out one of my values in my new business is is to to return that generosity because i think it you know people have been very kind and generous with me and so Put it out there now, right? If 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 a if a business wants to have a conversation with me, of course I'll have a free conversation with someone. Of course I will, and mm. I'll spend forty five minutes or so with with anyone to talk about their marketing. I enjoy it. It's it's intellectually stimulating to me as well. So I get a benefit from that. Mm. I don't expect anything in return for that. And if they like what I say, and if um, if if there's a need i'm not going to sell something to someone who doesn't need it but if there's a need and i think i can help then i'll, I'll offer that help or i'll point someone in the right direction but if it's not me but i i think there's you know it's just a nice thing to do just to to offer people help yeah i agree um have a similar similar ethos so uh, we're on the same page there gareth so <laughs> um going back to weetabix um before we uh we, we move forward i always think of Weetabix is have you had your Weetabix um, and then the beans on Bix tweets which yeah. spawned all sorts of horrible foodstuffs being paired together by brands uh, the, the world over were you at Weetabix when that happened it was 9th of February 2021 it's uh, a date imprinted on my on my yeah. mind I was I was I was there I was in it um yeah although whenever I talk about this I have to give a, a hat tip if i was wearing a hat i would tip it to uh, elaine wan who's who was my abm there and uh, the agency frank who did that i yeah i i bask in the glory <laughs> to other I, as, as always right i built my career on having great people surrounding me and i had great people surrounding me on that so elaine and and frank the agency frank were were primarily in charge of that but yes that's okay that was, that was on on my watch can you can you talk a little bit about how it came about? Uh, what happened as it kind of went live, and then the aftermath? What it was like to be on the inside, um, looking out at that? Yeah, well, I tell you what I do. Um, 
So yeah, I, I will. Um, I'll also put um, I'll, I'll put a, um, a page. I'll set up a six sales page on my website, um, and I'll put a link to like sort of the full story uh, in there. So I'll do some bigblackdoor.com forward slash six cells or something. I'll work it out, but I'll, uh, okay. I'll, I'll send you the link. The, Thank you very much. How, how we came about it was, uh, spoiler alert, the story isn't that exciting. Okay. It's, oh. it's not, it's not something that, uh, there's not some sort of like massive flash of inspiration, although it, it was genius. It, right, dear listener, you might want to fast forward the next five minutes. <laughs> in that case. <laughs> it's an evolution of a long-term strategy that, that, that you talk about the, have you had your Weetabix? That's our brand their brand equity strategy there's another strand to that the the plan which is about encouraging people to have have different ways to eat their weetabix and there's a there's a new ad now uh, in january do it every january it's one called any which way bix and it's it's like loads of sort of macro shots of the food and they've got one with a um, like a green being blended with weetabix right now or sort of honey and warm milk and stuff they do it every every year loads of different vignettes of, of different serves uh, they did a recipe book and there was a recipe in there, which was a bit like, sort of, it was like a baked chicken that was coated in breadcrumbs or bread, well, not bread, rather than breadcrumbs. It's coated in, in a crushed up Weetabix that got a bit of traction and they thought, hang on, maybe there's something in this. Let's go a bit more, a bit more sort of wacky. And we lined up a load of, a load of stranger sort of quote recipe inspirations. And that was one of them. We had, pairings we had a week of them planned we had we had that was the tuesday we had on the monday was marmite uh we had uh cathedral city cheddar we had pip and nuts i think it was um uh, peanut butter and we had uh innocent smoothies lined up we've spoken to all those brands so it, it was yeah, boring it was all pre-planned we spoke to each of those brands we spoke to heinz and said we want to do this on tuesday the ninth you up for that is that okay? They went, yeah, it's great. So okay, so if we do that, what what will you say? I said, well, we'll say this. Well, okay, great. If you say that, we'll say this. It was it was planned spontaneity. Yeah, uh, and we had a bank of responses and um, pre-approved with us and our legal team, and so it was all it was all there, ready to go. So if it, if it had kicked off, which luckily it did, we had all these things planned, and so there was there's a, a, a wise man once said that. Uh, excuse my language here. Proper planning and preparation prevents piss poor performance, and yes. it, we, it was just proper planning and preparation. That's that's what did it. The latest execution of a a long term strategy to show people different ways to eat their Weetabix. So I, I only remember the beans one, but you said like there was marmite and cathedral cheddar and stuff. Was it the beans one that really got the traction? Is that why that's the one I can remember? Did did you get much out of the other ones? Well, do they kind of just sort of die in the vine? Well, I thought I thought the Marmite one would be the big one, right? On the Monday, um, yeah. shows you how much I know. It wasn't that wasn't the big one. The big one was was this this Heinz one, um, and yeah, it, it, the Heinz one got one point three billion impressions. Wow, that was quite that's quite big. It was on it was on the news. It was debated in the House of Commons. It made it onto Saturday Night Takeaway as a question in the Win the Ads. It was on Good Morning Britain. It was on This Morning. It was you name it. It was it was there all earned media so that yep. we didn't promote that there's no there's no paid behind that um it was we think it was you know a couple of million pounds media value from uh, from that week i think and that's probably been conservative it was it was yeah. a big so you didn't even promote the the tweet the tweet was um just organic, all organic. All organic. and what happened so the monday was marmite 
you know, a bit of interest. We got the Tuesday was was the uh, beans one, and then because it that that kicked off, we then we then rolled in the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday ones into that into that pylon. Yeah. Uh, so because it, you then you then do one on Wednesday and you go, yeah, okay, it's not as good as the Tuesday one, mate. What are you talking? It's like sort of, yeah. I've got another one for you. I've got another another yeah. joke. Yeah, yeah. Not not. So, yeah. yeah. So um, we rolled it all. We rolled it all in there. We had people like um, the State of Israel reply to us. Saying, finally, something the whole Middle East can agree on. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, the hell's going on? This is uh, lasting peace with Weetabix and beans. Who knew? It was yeah. The American Embassy tweeted us. It was yeah. It was it, it was it was it was a big week. Elaine was on holiday that week as well. She uh, oh no, <laughs> she, so the planning wasn't perfect then. <laughs> I don't think she got much. Uh, she got as much rest. Uh, I think she worked. She worked through all of there, right? So, um, right. later, but yeah, it was it was a big lots big of fun, though. I'd imagine. I don't suppose she she minded too much because that's no, and, that's and that, going to be a fun campaign to work on. Well, yeah, and that that execution got it. It won campaign of the year in marketing week as voted for by by the readers. Now, I'd argue that that's an execution rather than a campaign, but the the, the broader campaign of trying to increase relevance by by being a bit more. Uh, spiky, a bit have a different point of view, being a bit more controversial on social media, um, yeah, a number of different metrics. But our spontaneous awareness from before we started that to after that um, February grew by forty percent. That's mm-hmm. that's incredible. Spontaneous doesn't awareness doesn't increase in a twelve month period by forty percent. Not in my career before. Because we, our prompted awareness was at, was already at 97%, but our spons wasn't. So that's why we were focusing on spawn and salience and mental availability and all your Byron Sharpisms. Uh, yeah. That's, that's where we we're focusing. So it was, it was very successful from, from that point of view. Absolutely. It was, um, <laughs> I, I still remember it breaking and thinking, wow, what's going on here? It's uh, all of the brands piling in. I, I don't suppose you spoke to all of those brands either, right? You spoke to a few of them to get kicked off and then suddenly everyone piled in. Well, we had to um, prioritize. When, it, when it, it started really kicking off, you had to prioritize the brands and the people or the, or the, the countries that had the, uh, had the highest reach. Mm. So we couldn't, we couldn't respond to everyone, but yeah, it was, it was yeah. big prioritized in, in that respect. Yeah. Excellent. Um, so fast forward to today, uh, you mentioned earlier that you simplify people's marketing. Uh, what do you what do you mean by that exactly? What how do you simplify people's marketing? Through a bit of experience, I'm not sure I've got any any magic wand. I've got great training. I, I think when I when I reflect back on on my on my career, yeah, at Heineken, when we we had a three day residential course on how to write a brief. We had a three day residential course on how to assess the work that agencies come back to you with. We had um, a residential course on how to work with your agencies, your agency relationships. It, that doesn't happen anymore. That sort of mm. stuff in my in my experience. So I've I've got ex- experience, got miles on the clock, and some great training behind me. Um, and if you don't have that it's very hard to see the wood for the trees sometimes. I think certainly for medium-sized business owners who are also doing a bit of their marketing, sort of the founders, they've got people coming at them all the time with, oh, you need to be on Twi- TikTok, you need to be on Twitter, you need to be on Mastodon or whatever the, the latest thing mm-hmm. is. Well, the first question is why? 
Why do I need to be on those things? Where are my target audience? What what are they doing? Where are they in the right frame of mind to be getting this message? So what's the what's the moment, the media and the message that that we can match together? That's how you simplify things. You just you ask a couple of killer questions and you take a few steps back, but you that perspective is easier when you've been well trained and you've got miles yeah. on the clock and you're not in it. It's easier when you've got this external perspective coming along to say, okay, this is what I've seen elsewhere. This is where I think my experience tells me you, you could be looking. Um, when you're not, you're not just got people just bombarding you with, with executions, with tactics, when actually what you need is, is a strong strategy. Okay. Um, do you predominantly work with B2C brands? Is that fair to say? Or do you do B2B as well? Yeah, uh, there are it's primarily, well, there are two strands to what I'm doing. That it's primarily B2C uh, businesses, yeah. so branded FMCG, food and drink would be the 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 50 on my on my dartboard um, yeah. i'm doing a lot of work actually with agencies as well um who want a senior client perspective on what they're offering on their relationships on on their pitching on you know, all that kind of stuff so yeah. um it's actually a a closer ratio than i thought i think it would be i thought it'd be 80 percent branded business 20 percent um, working with agencies, it, it's, it's not that. It's 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 much closer to fifty fifty uh, in okay. terms of the business I'm I'm working on at the moment. So that, I suppose that would be B two B. Yeah, pitching to clients. Yeah, for sure. Um, just focusing on B two B, then just for for a moment, I liked what you um, you just said there. The power of three. You had moment, media, and message. Um, and quite often for B two B, six sales is hundred percent B two B. At the moment, actually, I'm, I'm going to put it out there as well. Um, I would love to work with a brand that wants to use LinkedIn, a B2C brand that wants to use LinkedIn, because I've got 14 years of experience on using LinkedIn at B2B, but I think it's growing and I'm seeing more and more B2C brands that are starting to use it. It's 850 million users worldwide, a lot of more attention being used. So I'd love to get involved in that, but that, but, but today it's at 100% B2B. And I liked that moment, media and message, because I think places like LinkedIn deliver all three of those things, right? You've got somebody in a work frame of mind that is um, in a reactive uh, sort of lean back, you might call it frame of mind because they're just reading, they're looking for something to entertain them or to inform them. Um, and then if you put the right message in there, then, you know, bingo. Um, I, we, we call it, um, I mean, it, we said B2B, but at six L's, we think it's more P2P. It's more, mm. um, people to people when, when we're talking about b2b um, communications people want to hear from other people they don't necessarily want to hear from brands um and um and i noticed you um sort of kicked off your linkedin i don't know how long ago it was now i think maybe a year 18 months ago while you were still at weetabix you started yeah. posting quite regularly which is how i came to know of your existence and why this conversation is happening i guess um and um i, I, I and you mentioned Marmite earlier as well. And I think that the next term I'm going to use is a bit like Marmite in as much as some people love it and some people hate it. And that's personal branding or, or personal brand. Mm. I think Mark Ritson said there's no such thing as a personal brand. Rory Sutherland said everyone's got a personal brand, so you may as well have a good <laughs> one. Uh, so pick the bones out of that. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to get in the, in the way of a fight between those two. But, um, 
your personal brand, obviously you grew it um, while at Weetabix and it's sort of, and it's gone beyond that. How helpful has that been to you um, as you're going through your Weetabix journey and, and now your big black door journey? I mean, I would imagine, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I would imagine that um, from a big black door perspective, because the brand is literally four months old, it's all Gareth Turner, right? It's all you and Big Black Door is just what people call you or invoice. Um, but, yeah, but yeah, there's probably there's, yeah, there's probably some sort of tax efficient to uh, to have it as Big Black Big Black Door, probably. Yeah, um, yeah. So I made a mental leap that I wanted to see if I can make this thing a go, have, have a go at this this thing, um, and so one of the first things I had to do was what's my marketing strategy, right? So if I'm, if I'm going to try and create a business, well, the first thing that any business has to do is make some people aware of you. Yep. So, okay. So what, what are the channels that are available to me? Well, it's the free ones. I haven't got a, a, a massive budget. Like you've got a six sales, uh, Mike, <laughs> I've got, I uh, wish I've got uh, certainly not one that, um, uh, you yeah, know, not, not an Isle of foods or a, or a Weetabix uh, budget. I've got, I've got me and my time. That's that's what I can spend. So I yeah, and I suspect the sort of people that are my target audience, which are founders, marketing directors, you know, mar- the marketing community. Well, where where are they hanging out? Well, they're hanging out on LinkedIn, I guess, and yeah. and probably you know, on other, and other other channels are available. But so I focused in on. On LinkedIn, it's something that I felt relatively comfortable talking about. It didn't feel that comfortable to start with. I felt yeah. rel- relatively comfortable being on there. I could talk about works, work stuff. Um, I had plenty of things I could talk about on there. I was doing some good work at the time, I thought, and uh, I had experience of some failures and some other things that I thought people might find interesting. So I just started writing about that and and trying to write it in in a tone of voice that would sound like Gareth. So yeah. I, I hope that my style, if, if you were reading it and you hadn't met me or anything, you, you, you would get a sense of who I am. I, don't, yes. I hope it's not too sort of full of corporate guff. I hope it's, I hope it's plain talking straightforward um, and talk about long-term strategic thinking. Some, yeah. some of the less glamorous things in marketing, some of the the unspoken truths, the the, the you know, myth busting, that that kind of stuff. I, I hope I'm I'm talking about those sort of things. And well, I, I think you've achieved that personally, and um, and it's also like super important because people pay more attention to people uh, on LinkedIn than they do to brands. And 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 if if how how do I put this? People want to kind of feel that they're talking to somebody that they're somewhat familiar with. So putting some sort of personality into it, tone, you call it tone, talking a little bit about how it, how your life, you're documenting your life as well as the, um, uh, the knowledge that you're imparting kind of helps somebody to think, okay, I kind of get Gareth a little bit rather than it just be like written by the PR department in the third person. Um, and you know, quite cold and, um, detached, yeah, so I think you. I, I personally think you've done a good job of that. Thank you. I, I, I suppose my my uh, ambition is to be consistent in in tone, to be consistent in 
frequency. So I, again, spoiler alert, I'm totally candid. I, I, I plan this out. So I, I use a, um, a, a, I use what's, what's it called? Um, Vista social. I think I use it. And so I'll, I'll, I, so I was just doing it this morning before we, before we jumped on this, on this call, I was planning out next week's stuff. So I was writing two or three posts. I did two or three a week. I do them at certain times during the week. And it, if I can do it in a block, it's less of a less of a drain on my time. And I'm in the zone. I can find it easy to write. I can get some less cognitive switching costs trying to write one and then go away and do something else and then come back and write another one. Yeah, it's it. it people say often say to me, it must take you ages to do that sort of stuff. I don't think it does. It takes me a bit of time, but that's that's my currency right now because I don't have a, a multi million pound media budget. So yeah, my current that, that's how I get people to be aware of of me and what i'm doing and i do agree that the term personal brand feels a bit grubby to me but it's just me reputation is that better maybe maybe i think so i think so and and i've got some business from it i've had people approach me and have paid me cold hard cash to work with them off the back of meeting on linkedin yeah, all of our all of our new business comes either from you said you joked that we had a big marketing budget. We don't. Everything we do is organic. Most of it's on LinkedIn, and I would say ninety percent of our new business comes from inbound inquiries yeah. um, from people that have seen my organic content on LinkedIn, uh, and the other ten percent comes from recommendations of people we worked for. So we don't have anything other than that. Mm. Uh, we don't have a sales team or, or, or anything. So, uh, yeah, so yeah, preaching to the choir there. Um, have you seen any other benefits? It's quite hard to measure. I, I think a lot of people struggle with how do I know if it's working? But as a marketer, you'll understand, and you mentioned earlier, that a lot of this is awareness, right? So so the funnel that we talk about or the, the buyer's journey that we talk about in B2B is awareness, familiarity, trust, consideration, and then um, – um, you know, moves on from there, and why, and they're sequential, right? And they have to be in that order. So you can't consider buying something you're not aware of. It's kind of obvious, but like, it's quite hard to measure that as a small business. If mm. you're at Weetabix, you probably have a whole team of people that yep. are doing quant and qual surveys and coming back to you to tell you that your awareness has gone up. But when you're big black door or six sales, you don't have that um, that sort of resource. So how how have you been able to measure success in in your LinkedIn journey to date? <sighs> Um, apart from the cold hard cash, obviously that's well, very hard much. cash is, is one yeah. is is, a, is quite a helpful measure. Uh, yes, and are my lights still on? Yes, uh, so that's, yeah. that's, a, that's a measure that's, that gets gets tougher to say that every day, doesn't it? Right? I know, especially yeah. these days. Yeah, yeah. Um, my, it's a luxury. My business plan went out the window when all these cost uh, the cost of living stuff started yeah. happening. Um, Look at that show off! He's got his lights on. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, how do I measure it? I'm going to say I, the truth is I don't I don't measure it. Um, yeah. I've got not 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 draconianly if that's a word. I I uh, use Shield uh, to yeah. look at uh, number. I don't look at it every I don't look at it every day because it is soul destroying. I've given mm-hmm. up trying to predict which posts do well. The ones that I think are surefire humdingers get you know, like seventy views or something. And then one that I think is yeah, you've seen. I'll, I'll put a post every now and then about 
giving myself employee of the month, right? Um, yeah, and, I liked that. I wanted to steal that, but I thought I can't because I'm connected <laughs> with you. And yeah, really like that. I was going to have a little, go and have a pint in my local and say, oh, it works not out. Yeah. But something like that will get 100,000 views, right? And, uh, yeah. And, okay, this is crazy. So I've given Again, up. it's personalised, right? It's personality. Yeah. You're, you're showing a human side Me, of you. And I'm showing, yeah, so yeah, the, 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 the selfie does, you know, sort of, help the algorithm likes a selfie right um yeah but, uh so i, I swear i think people like a selfie as well because okay, again yeah. they feel a human connection yes yeah, 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 um, yeah, I've, yeah i've had a number of clients that have recently shared selfies um in a work related setting and they've done really well um and and i think again it's because you get that human connection you see yeah. a face you know we're, we're kind of hard programmed yeah. to respond to other yeah. humans i interviewed shazia uh, ganai who uh, at the time was at neuroinsight um, they do brain scans to try and figure out how people respond to stuff and people have a, an emotional reaction to seeing people and families and connection yeah. and so i think that people to people thing which is we call it people shape marketing but that's what um you know that's how people respond to other people so i think the selfie you know, is, is, is a good tool in that, uh, in that yeah. particular yeah. fight. So, I mean, to answer your question, do I, how do I measure it? I, it's gut feel and, uh, a bit of, a bit of shield and I'm, I'm so I, I'm every quarter or so I'll be looking to say, well, have I, have I done enough to drive awareness? Have yeah. I, yeah, you know, on my funnel, I've sort of got from awareness to, in, into sales funnel, like exploratory conversations. Am I making connections with people? Am I, um, am I getting a chance to propose something to them? Well, the, these are sort of my versions of, of coming down that, that, um, that funnel. Uh, so I, I measure that. Um, and you know, they're, they're unrelated. They're on different systems. And so you can't, you can't have a causal, uh, you can't get causality from, from that. But um, mm. it gives me a sense of whether the reach I'm getting is growing or is 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 in decline I'm, I'm not too worried about the absolute numbers um yeah the, the only absolute number i'm worried about is whether i've got a, enough cash coming in yeah makes sense okay thank you for that so switching back to b2c then um what do you see cmos focused on in 2023 where do you think um a lot of the focus is going to be obviously cost of living crisis um war in ukraine um all sorts of things to to circumnavigate what where do you think people are are, are focused for this year it's uh it's cost of living the cost of goods inflation that that pressure between you know as a as a manufacturer you've likely got all your input costs going up you've got um people asking for more more money uh so salary everything is going up to, so the cost to make your widget is uh, has increased, and you've got retailers who perhaps are more accepting of inflation, price inflation, uh, than they they may have otherwise been. But they're pushing hard to try and offer their shoppers good value for money. Yeah, they they, they don't want uh, they don't want to, uh, to 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 be too expensive to to see that. They want to help their shoppers. So the suppliers are caught in the middle, and I suspect that's that's what every CMO will be looking at this um, you know, CMOs, especially just probably because they will be experienced and they'll be likely to be a little bit older than the other people in their team. Uh, they are more likely to have been through something like this before than other people in their team. So I yeah. think their job is to be a, 
a steadying hand on the tiller is to not reassurance panic and flap yes absolutely yeah. uh, people will be worried it's their job to be visionary and reassuring in times like this to say don't worry i've i've charted our course through this that you know, it's a stormy sea but here's here's how we get to a safe haven mm. uh, here's here's what we do and the the job of a cmo in times like this is to work with the board work with your cfo to influence them to show them that cutting budgets now is not the right thing to do you, you don't cut your way to success um long-term success coming out of a recession um is more likely if you've spent continue to spend if you maintain spend or even if you double down but yeah. uh, at least maintain spend in that uh, in that period i would argue that should have been done a couple of years ago not mm -hmm. it's gonna be harder now to start to start um, banging that drum when you're in the midst of a crisis. But if you're in that place, your job is to then navigate a budget cut. If, if, you, if you're having your budget cut, how do you do that pragmatically? How do you do that and keep your team motivated? How do you um, reassure people in times of churn that, that, that you might be losing heads? Your job is to is to behave with dignity and to, to um, treat people as humans to to come out the other side so that everyone's still on friendly terms when uh, when that sort of thing happens. How do you lead cost price? Inflation? So are you trying to suggest that you shouldn't fire people via email and just lock them out of the office? Let's... Text, text. Yeah, text, uh, yeah. <laughs> Much more human. Do it on LinkedIn. Yeah. That's what that's <laughs> um, yeah. DM on LinkedIn. Um, uh, but you, but you could, and, and how do you lead the the marketing agenda? So you you, you you're talking about budget, you're talking about um, team. How do you lead the price conversation, or how do you at least input into that price discussion so that um, you're having a value conversation with retailers rather than just a price conversation, and, and work with your sales colleagues to, to do that? It, but it all comes back to right now the the cost of living crisis, inflation. Um, uh, and, and how you how you navigate that yeah so the shiny new thing and marketers are not immune to a shiny new thing the uh, the shiny new thing seems to be ai at the moment yeah. um and um really interesting space been playing with chat gpt um i think it's really good at generating ideas it's amazing at search um it's much better than search i can imagine websites having a a, a flavor of chat gpt on them so you can come and say this is exactly what i'm looking for and it'll just go and look around the site and come back with the answer rather than you have to wade through pages of blogs and faqs and stuff um i don't think it's very good at writing as a human yet but um who knows uh, where it might get to do you see ai playing a leading role in marketing plans this year or do you still think it's going to be kind of a tentative test and learn approach yeah i don't, I don't see it playing a leading role in in marketing this year mm. i, I I could be very wrong, right? Uh, but I, I just think it's marketers, as you say, uh, 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 love a shiny new thing. This is a shiny new thing right now. Uh, and we are probably ahead of the curve for the majority of, of, of people. So I'm, I'm, I'm watching it. it. It's already very quickly. It's becoming more ingrained in everything we do. So I, so I talked about Vista Social earlier that I use that platform to to 
um, schedule my LinkedIn posts, I saw a button, a new button that I hadn't seen before, which is a little sort of robot. And um, I clicked on it and it said that it would, it would write my post with AI. So right. I'm going to give that a go um, at some point. So see if you can spot the ones which uh, my tone yeah. of voice goes out the window for some. Yeah. Some, maybe, spot the good ones. They're the ones that say AI have written. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I can't see it. I can't see it being a massive consumer thing at the moment. There's um, so chat GBT is, is, is sort of talk of the town in, on LinkedIn and, and in marketing. There's um, there's, I think what's more interesting is the um, AI, which is uh, sort of creative AI. Is it mid journey? Um, so I can't work out what to put into mid journey, but I'm more interested in that and how I could create um, art bespoke visuals for pack design or for um, for stimulus for research or an image for my LinkedIn posts, um, yeah. which is bespoke for me through that sort of way. I, that's, that's, I think, more immediate for me. I think there's, I've seen the, the, uh, the improvements in that in the last few months. I've been watching that. that that's rapidly improving. I guess it would be harder to, to, uh, to detect that you'd outsourced it to computers as well, because with writing, it's it's I, I believe it's kind of it's the inside of one human talking to one or many yeah. other, and so to try and mimic tone, inflection, character, and, and all of that stuff um, is quite tough for a computer to do. But with mm-hmm. images, it's it's it is what it is. You, you know what what what's that saying all there is is what you can see or um yeah. whatever it is and uh, yeah and having been able to um create bespoke images that are perhaps different to the way a human might think might make it stand out right it might mm. give you that distinctiveness that um yeah. humans are kind of with, with design i suppose what i'm trying to say is humans tend to mimic what they've seen before and so what comes next is kind of an iteration in some way shape or form of what's come before uh, whereas a computer maybe doesn't do it that way i'm not sure mm. um but it yeah it's potentially interesting um so what was your favorite advertising campaign of last year 2022 and why apart from the ones i did oh sorry That's... all of the ones you did obviously like one what two or three more next, next yeah. the ones i did yes um, uh, I am going to say, I think there was a beautiful campaign from an old adversary of mine, Muller. Muller Corners did some beautiful outdoor advertising. They're not, not particularly sexy and glamorous, right? But some 48 sheets, uh, a Muller Corner you know, with their distinctive brand assets. It had, it was a beautiful, creamy looking, delicious yogurt like a top-down picture of it, and the, then you had the corner and just a logo uh, at the bottom. They possibly could have got away without the logo, I think, um, but it was simple, back to my simplification. It's just It was simple depiction of the product. It was, it was all in on their DBAs, their distinctive brand assets. It's a corner, Muller corner, right? And it's the, you showed the corner. And on some of them, special bills, I had the corner kind of flipping in as well to the to the um to the yogurt they had it on digital outdoor as well they showed they showed some movement they had it was it was super tasty now i know that in most food categories the number one job you got to do in your advertising is to show this thing looks blooming tasty and they i think they did that 
it reminded people of how good this thing was and certainly on my linkedin feed if that's if that's a reflective um position for the the whole uk which you know big asterisk there right but um people and oh i've forgotten how tasty they were oh it reminded me of of having them when i was younger so that sort of reminding people that this thing is still here and it's still still incredibly tasty so mm. that i think that was a genius a genius uh, ad which i a few years ago when i was working at arla i wouldn't have been allowed to say no obviously okay um I, I, a new finishing question um this first of all i say it's new it's, it's new in as much as you're the first person i'm going to ask but i think it might be um a new feature actually because um I tend to interview more senior people uh, with lots of experience and it would be quite nice to think that we could all pay something forward. So all the things that you've learned in your long-legged career um, to date, uh, what is the best bit of advice you could impart to those that are either just starting out or coming up behind? Um, what's the one bit of advice that you would, um, that you would share with people? Um, it's it's a bit again a bit boring right but uh that there's no substitute for getting your fundamentals right when you're in marketing and that by that i mean strategy comes before execution so i've referenced yeah. it earlier on you need to be on tiktok why how does that how does that deliver against my strategy and if you don't know then you need to get back to your strategy and you need to go okay well who is it I'm targeting? How am I targeting? What, what are the most motivating things I can say to these people? And when are they most receptive to, uh, to hearing that piece of, of information? Now, TikTok, in this made-up example, TikTok might well be the right moment for the right audience, and that, that's a very engaging media type. So it could be that that's the right thing to do. But unless you know your strategy... And communication is only one part of that strategy, right? You, you, there's a marketing strategy is much bigger than that. There are, there are, there are four P's, and yeah. advertising is only one part of one of the P's. It's not, mm -hmm. it's not the whole thing. But unless you know what your strategy is, then you can't, you can't say for sure. You'll, you'll get bewildered by the array of, of, of options out there. So my piece of advice is, just get your fundamentals, get your fundamentals right, and then then you won't go far wrong. Fantastic. Gareth, really enjoyed that. Thank you so much for your time. Much appreciate it. Thanks for being on the Six Hours podcast. Thanks. I've enjoyed it.